Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you. Help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. All right, let's start off with a question. Are you a complainer? No. Or are you a praiser? Pick one. Go ahead. Tell me right out loud. We're about to find out. I hold in my hand the almighty, living, powerful word of our Heavenly Father God. It is his instruction book for how you and I can have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, have a home forever in heaven. And it's his manual on how we are to do life until we get there. The Bible says it's all good. Take a look at the side screen, 2 Timothy chapter 3. All scripture is inspired by God. The Old and New Testament, doesn't matter where it's at, whatever book, whatever verse. And it's useful to teach us what is true. And I think today we need something to teach us what is true and what is false more than any other time in mankind. Because if we do not have the authority of the Word of God, the Creator God, telling us what is true, we will buy into anything. In 1954, a man decided that he would start his own religion because he said, and I quote, if you want to make real money, you must create your own religion. And now over 25,000 people in the United States follow Scientology, along with A-listers, stupid people who rejected or rebelled against the authority of the truth of God's word. So we must have something that tells us what is truth and what is not. That's what God's word does. And it makes us realize what's wrong in our life. And that's why a lot of people just reject it. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God gives it to us. Everybody read those three words, to prepare and equip. Are they out there? Prepare and equip. Whose people? Not everybody then, huh? So the only ones that's going to benefit from it to be prepared and equipped are going to be God's people, those that buy it, those that understand it, buy into it, and do every good work. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 said, The Word of God is alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between, everybody say it, soul and spirit. Your soul, your emotions, your feelings, and spirit, who you actually are, that's going to spend for all eternity. So... The Bible separates our emotions and our feelings from reality, and we need that because what else will do it? If we're not careful, we'll start leading with our emotions. We'll start leading, well, this is how I feel, so therefore, and your emotions are a great thing to have as a caboose of your life. It is a terrible engine for your life. Drag it behind you, but never lead your, let your emotions or your feelings lead you between the joint and the marrow. It exposes the innermost thoughts and desires. That's the Bible. The Bible, two divisions, 66 books, the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the New Covenant, the New Testament, 66 books. The Old Testament starts with Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the five books of the law, the books of Moses, the Pentateuch. And then it goes on to the history of God's people, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. Then the poetical books, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song 
of Solomon. The major and the minor prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, and Malachi. 39 books in the Old Testament. There it is. Then we kick into the New Testament. The New Testament starts with the life of Christ, the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, the gospels, the good news, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then the Acts. Ah, the Acts of the Apostles. The Acts of the Apostles, oh, filled with the Holy Spirit. So really, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's a historical book, the book of Acts. Then we go into Paul's letters. And it starts with Romans. Then the general letters after Paul's Romans. And you see, I just ran that in my head real quick. <laughs> Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, Peter, John, Jude, and then we have the prophetic book of Revelation making up 27 books in the New Testament. I think I deserve a hand for that because my mind is a steel trap, I tell you, a steel trap. That's sometimes leaky, but it was steel today. But have you ever wondered out of the 31,102 verses that are found in the Bible, Old and New Testament, what's in the middle of it? I'm not sure that it's really all that significant. It's just kind of interesting and fun. And since there's an even number of verses in the Bible, therefore there'd be two verses that we would find in the very middle of God's Word. And that would be where? Psalms 103, verses 1 and 2. If you take a look at this, you'll also find there are 15,500, I think, and 50 on one end, 15,550 on the other end. And there we have right in the middle of the Bible these two verses. Now, how would God arrange it to right in the middle of the Bible we would see two verses that had to do with praise? Well, read them with me if you would. Let all that I am praise the Lord with all my heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things that he does for me. And then I'm going to summarize this so guys in the back, you won't be able to keep up with me. But the next verse, verse 3, he starts listing all these things and reasons why the psalmist David praises God. And he says things like, he forgives all my sins. He heals my diseases. When I get sick, he makes me well. He redeems me from death. I don't have to go to hell. And he rescued my life many times when I should have died by now. He crowns me with love. With the only thing, time he looks at me, he sees love, the tender mercies. He has tender mercies on me, loving kindness. He always forgives me. He fills my life with good things. Every good thing you've got is coming down from God, the Bible says. The Lord makes me righteous, gives me a great relationship with the Heavenly Father, and gives me justice when I'm done wrong on this earth. And he just goes on and on and on. Verse 10, he talks about being forgiven of sins again. He says that the Lord knows my weakness. He's compassionate on me like a, heaven, like a loving father. And he knows when I'm weak. And the Bible says, and he forgives me. You know, there's a difference between weakness and wickedness. As a child of God, there should never be wickedness in our life. There never should be uh, 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 an intention to do evil. But there will be weaknesses. And the Bible says that God knows us. He even said he knows he made us from dust. So you and I are going to have times of weaknesses. We're going to say things we shouldn't say, do things we shouldn't do. We're going to act out, respond, and, and, and just follow times. Watch this. Even seasons of weaknesses, maybe even moral. And the Bible says when that happens, God remembers who we are. He doesn't want to be mad at you in your very short time that you have on this earth your whole life. So he just says, you're my kids. I love you. I understand that you're weak. I know where you came from. And I, I forgive you. 
Now, he does something entirely different, though, when it comes to wickedness. There is a difference on how we should treat weakness and how we should treat wickedness. If somebody comes into my home or comes into your home who is wicked and they enter your house with evil intent, you can warrior up on them. But when somebody in your house is weak, you've got a mercy up on them. Let me say it again. When somebody in your house is weak, you mercy up. You overflow with mercy. If Anna does something, I don't say, listen, I know your heart, honey. I know who you are. I, we're, I, I, I forgive you for that. I, I understand you had a bad day. I understand what you, And she does me the same way because we have, we're weak. We've mercy up on weakness. We forgive it. We understand it right away, and we move on. But if somebody comes into my house with an evil intent, I'm warrioring up on that person, and I'm in their face. Let me see if I can't explain it to you this way. People can come to our church and they can have all kinds of weaknesses, and we are so glad you're here. You make us feel good because nobody in here, everybody in here deals with moments, times, seasons of weaknesses, including your pastors. We all do. We all do. And that's why we make a good family, and that's why we can relate to each other. But if somebody comes in here who is wicked with evil intent, we will warrior up on that person. What pastor that came to church? I don't care where they came. If somebody comes in here who is wicked, if somebody comes in here who is a convicted sex offender and they wander through our children's building, we will have them in jail before the end of the day. Where's the mercy? Where's the mercy? There is no mercy. If somebody is a sex offender and walks into our children's ministry, we'll put them in jail. Has that ever happened before? This is the church twice. We have put two sex offenders in jail. They got too close to the hallways of our children's ministry. They were in jail, back in jail before that night. And you know why? Because we show mercy when it's weakness. We warrior up. Are you ready for that? We warrior up when it's wicked. But if God is going to treat us so kindly and so lovingly when he knows that you and I are weak, how much more should you and I treat each other kindly? when we're going through weak seasons in our life. Well, the psalmist goes on to talk about how our days are short. He talks about how good God is. Verse 22, he goes back and said, but let all that I am praise the Lord. I want to go on record this morning. I'm a praiser. I'm a praiser. I learned a long time ago that praising God was an attitude and it would be a choice. I knew that it would come from a heart of gratitude. And all my life, I've been thankful. I've been a thankful person. I'm thankful for my parents when I was a kid. I mean, my older brother rebelled and went into drugs and alcohol and all this kind of stuff. Man, I was respectful to my mom and dad. I loved them, and I was respectful to the home that they had. And I was just thankful for it. And all my life, I've been a person that has just been thankful to God. I I, I just have a heart of appreciation. To this day, at 58 years of age, when I put gas in my truck and it fills up to about $55 to $65 worth of gas, while it's filling up, I'm saying, God, thank you for this tank of gas. Thank you for it. Every tank of gas that I put, thank you for this. And this doesn't hurt me to put this amount of money in here. I'm not going to lose groceries over it. I can afford to do this, and thank you for the Thank you for the truck I'm driving. The clothes I'm wearing. Thank you so much to the people that are in my life. And the money that you get. Thank you, God. Because I've decided that I am going to have. Every praiser in the room realizes that praising God is an attitude. And it is a choice. And not only do we know that it's an attitude, we know it's an action. 
When we are praising God, we are opening our mouths. We are giving him credit. Every time somebody says something nice about us, we're passing it on to the heavenly father. Oh, man, you're so good at that. You know what? God has equipped me to do that, and I don't know why he chose me to it, but, man, it's, I'm so thankful for him. And, but it is an action of opening our mouths and singing. The Bible talks about how we should sing praise to God, and David talks about it. I mean, we realize that praise is an important part of our life. And we also realize that thankful people are attractive people. And the older we get, we need all the help we can get. So rather than plastic surgery or Botox or anything like that, man, be a thankful person. God is attracted to thankful people. He said this, he said, God inhabits the praises of his people. You want to be around thankful people. You will not stay around a complaining group of people. And some of you are saying, yeah, yeah, but there's a lot of stuff that just, you know, just irritates us that we have to complain about. I get it. I get it that there's a lot of stuff we can complain about. You can complain about the government. You can complain about your family. You can complain about a mate. You can complain about church. You can complain about your kids, your grandkids. You can complain. And the moment that you, st- you get that problem fixed, there'll be 12 more things to back it up to you complain about. But praising people choose not to. Praising people decide that they're going to have a grateful heart and that out of their, the Bible says this, that out, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We understand that we can't fake this, that this is an action that comes from our heart. In other words, your mouth will be speaking what your heart is leaking. And if you're filled up with gratitude, you're filled up with a thankful spirit, you're just going to leak out words and songs of praise to your heavenly father. Praising people understand that praise is a key. It's a key that unlocks the very presence of God in your life. I'm talking about the manifest presence of God. The, I can see God at work here in this situation. When you're going through something and you tell God, I want to thank you for that. I praise you for my job. I know it's not, I'd love her to be more, and I don't have insurance right now, but thank you for the job that I have. Thank you for the people that are in my life. Man, when you are doing that, you're talking about, God, you are so wonderful, and you are so great, and you can do all things, and you can fix this situation. Really what you're doing is you're not telling God anything he doesn't know. You're reminding yourself what God can do in your situation. And that is the supernatural power of praise. I'm so glad that I learned this many, many years ago, and some of you have learned it too, that praise is also a weapon. Praise is a weapon. Can I tell you the number one reason why I'm a praiser? I mean, you, you know, yeah, I, I thank God for my marriage of almost 40 years coming up in April. I thank God uh, I allowed me to be a pastor. I thank God for the church that we have and the love we have for each other. I thank God for fun and laughter and thank God for all those kind of things. But, but can I, here's the number one reason why I'm a praiser. And I think it might, it might throw some of you off, but get ready for it. I like to win. I like to move my life forward and I like to move my family forward. So the number one reason that I'm a praiser, (laughs) I like to win. And the Bible says that when you as a child of God let complaining words come out of your mouth, God always responds to complainers with the same mode of operation. And you know what it is? He will bring your progress to a stop. So when you as a child of God Decide that you are going to complain. I can't believe this situation. Why isn't the government doing something? Why isn't anybody doing it? But where could even have this person? I don't know why they. 
Anytime you do that, you stop your progress. And God, you keep doing it, and God will let you walk circles for 40 years. And all of a sudden, when you realize, wait a minute, there's something supernatural going on between me and my Heavenly Father, regardless of me complaining or regardless of me praising, and I'm going to get on the praising side. Because when you get on the praising side, you get on the winning side. And when you get on the complaining side, you get stuck in the play side. I don't know, I love this, I don't want like this marriage and this family, well, I'll enjoy it for the next 40. I hate this job, I don't want this job, I don't want this job, you're going to be there for 40 more years. Walking in circles. Because as a child of God, you have got to make the decision, I am going to be a praiser. I'm not going to be a complainer. Because it has supernatural effect. David knew it. And here's a shepherd boy reaching his destination because David was a man after God's own heart. He walks out and faces everybody that can't be done. David walks out and takes out a giant because he was a praiser. He is not going to stand there and defy the, the name of my almighty God. My what? Almighty God. Job learned this. When everybody else said, Job, you know, his wife said, curse God and die. Job, Job said, I will not praise God when things are good and then curse him when things are bad. I will continue to praise him. And God gave back Job double for his trouble. Everything he lost got given back to him again for one reason and one reason only. He knew praise was a weapon and he used it in spiritual warfare and he got everything back. By doing what? By opening up his mouth and praising his God. Ooh, man. I'm going to fly through this, but I want you to listen. There is a king by the name of Hezekiah. He was the greatest king that lived from David, and there never been a better one after. He did all these wonderful things that pleased God. And Hezekiah's dad was a very wicked, wicked man and a king. When Hezekiah came on the scene, he was doing everything right. At the age of 39, he got sick. He actually got a boil on his body somewhere, and it got infected and diseased. And God told Isaiah, the prophet, to go tell the king, Hezekiah, that you're going to die from this disease. You're not going to recover. So get all your affairs in order. This is what God said. Tell Hezekiah, get all your affairs in order because this is going to kill you. And the Bible says that Hezekiah responded this way. He cried. And in his tears, he prayed to his heavenly father. And he said, have I not been single-minded? Have I not been faithful? Have I not done the things that you wanted me to do? Have I not spent my life in praising you? And then the Bible says in his tearful prayer recorded in the book of Isaiah, he said this. He said, and by the way, The grave can't praise you. That's what he said. Here's his argument. The grave can't praise you. And I can't have things come out of my lips that bring glory to your name if I'm dead and not living among the living. And I want you to see what God had did. Isaiah says, you're not going to recover. You're going to die from this. Get your affairs in order. He starts talking to God. Isaiah starts walking through the courtyard. It's all recorded there in the book of of 2 Kings. And Hezekiah says, God, hadn't I always done what you wanted me to do? And Isaiah kept walking. Haven't I been single-minded? And Isaiah kept walking. Haven't I spent my entire life trying to please you? And Isaiah kept walking. 
the grave can't praise you. And God stopped Isaiah in his track and said, okay, go back and tell him he's got 15 more years. Watch the negotiation. Nothing stopped the message or the man until Isaiah said, I can't praise you from the grave. And God said, oh, well, if you're going to praise me, <laughs> I'll give you 15 more. Stopped Isaiah in his track, brought him back, said, tell Hezekiah, I heard you, I'm going to give you 15 more years. You'll recover from this sickness in three days and then go to church and do it. And Isaiah says, or Hezekiah says, therefore, God, for the rest of my life, I will praise you every day. God has set an appointment for each and every one of us to go home and be with him. Can I talk to the 55-plus crowd for a second? If you're 55 or older, would you raise your hand? Don't lie in church. Come on, I'm looking right at your face. Some of us, by looking at us, might need to cut a deal. Because your appointment, according to Hebrews, is set when you're leaving this place. And I don't know what else you want to tell God you've done or what you hadn't done or what you will do or whatever. But all I know is that our Heavenly Father puts so much power behind the words and the songs that come out of your mouth that He extended Hezekiah's life by 15 years because Hezekiah said, I will do one thing. I will open up my mouth and I will praise you every day for the rest of my life. God said, well, <laughs> if you're going to praise me, then I'm going to change everything. As we grow older and as we live in a society and in a culture where everything's negative, and if you ever get on a blog page or you ever read comments after an article online, this world is a mess of negative complaining people. And we don't always treat God right. God is way better to us than we are to Him. And when you are an individual that steps out and says, no more, will complaining come out of my mouth? God, thank you for this. Thank you so much for how you're blessing me. Thank you. I always find something to bless Him, praise Him for, and thank Him for. All of a sudden, you can cut a deal with God. Keep me here longer. I'll praise you more. Why not? Why not? Your Heavenly Father loves you. Wants to give you a great life. Wants to bless you. Wants to make your dreams come true. Job said, I'm not going to praise you in the good times and curse you in the bad times. I'm not going to do it. I don't care what my wife said. I'm just going to praise you all the time. I'm going to praise you when people walk into my life, and I'm going to praise you when they walk out. I'm going to praise you when my job's paying minimum wage and when my job's paying $35 an hour. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to praise you when I'm healthy. I'm going to praise you when I'm sick. I'm going to praise you no matter what, Father, because you get the attention. You become an attractive person. As you grow older, listen to me, listen to me. There is nothing attractive about complaining. Let me share this with you. If you grow older and you become a complaining person, 
People aren't going to miss you when you're gone. I'm sorry, that was a little harsh. Was that harsh? That was a little hard. Let me say it this way. If you grow older in the last five or ten years of your life, you spend complaining. People aren't going to miss you when you are gone. They're going to say things like, five, ten years ago, I used to love to hang out with them. They used to mentor me. I used to go by and have coffee just to listen to them. And, and here they've encouraged me when I would go to encourage them. But the last three, four, five years, I couldn't stand to go by there anymore. Why? Because complaining is unattractive. The best thing you can do to change your situation is be a praiser. Don't fall onto the blog sheets or the review people, review people on the website complaining about everything in life. I understand there's things to complain about. There will always be things to complain about. That's why God says it's an act of gratitude and faith when you don't. And you start praising Him for everything He has, everything He's done for you. Would you stand with me, please? I want you to think with me as we get ready to leave what God has done for you, how much he's blessed you. And are you allowing the words to come out of your mouth, be words of complaining? You tried to sell a house and the house isn't selling. Could be you're stuck because you're complaining. Trying to get a better job, been stuck in the same job for the last several years. What are you saying about that job? situation at home and your family and your life, your marriage. That's the same as it's always been. What Did you just say it's the same as it's always been? You just stuck yourself there for another 40. You open up your mouth and you become a praiser. God immediately comes to your presence in a manifest way. Uh, you can see him and feel him way. And when he does that, everything changes. You'll praise your way out of a situation into a new blessing and start winning when you've been losing before you'll be able to do it any other way because it's supernatural. And David said, let everything that I am, my body, my mind, my soul, and my thoughts, praise my Lord. I just have to tell you something. When I started, I didn't have a whole lot going for me. Really didn't. Really didn't. But I've been a praiser my whole life. And if you ever wonder, if you ever wonder, wonder why the Hoopers are blessed so much. And we are. I'm not, I'm not bragging on me. I, I just told you. I don't deserve it. Shouldn't have it. I have been a praiser my whole life. Little David out there in the shepherd field, (laughs) you ain't going to be king. You ain't nothing. He was a praiser. Job, you got it all back. He's a praiser. Hezekiah, you're going to recover. Here's 15 more for you. 15 more! One reason and one reason only. He was a praiser. Father God, right now in this room, 
bring to the mind of every person here the things we are so thankful to you for. And right now, just think about them. You got a good parent? Somebody good that raised you? Just somebody that poured in your life, that mentored you? You're holding hands with somebody, and you know she's way over your head. She could have done way better. You got an arm around you today? Did God keep that automobile from crossing that yellow line when that person was a little intoxicated and kept that car from hitting your family head on? Did you have a job? You looked in the mirror lately and realized you're still standing after everything you've been through? You've got a decision to make. I can be a complainer and be stuck for the rest of my life. Or I can enter into a supernatural warfare of being a praiser. And I can start winning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 9, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord and confess that you are my Savior, that you died on the cross for my sins and you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you to be my Savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven with you. And God, I ask you this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need additional prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.